This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. And Taylor, first and foremost... Uh, I wish you and everyone listening a happy Thanksgiving. It is Thanksgiving week. It's actually Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. Um, It's a short week for the Texas Longhorns coming off the impressive 55 to 14 win at Kansas, uh, in which we, I think we described it as a, a warm day at the spa, the Longhorns and the fan base uh, in a frigid game in Lawrence, Kansas. And now it is the end of the regular season. It will happen Friday at 11 a.m. Texas against Baylor. The final stop on the Revenge Tour. Taylor, remember that thing? The Revenge Tour? Yeah, yeah, we heard about it, um, you know, initially after that Oklahoma game. But uh, they have not successfully gotten all of the stops on the Revenge Tour, but they definitely you know, have one more left. Um, and happy Thanksgiving to you and to all of our listeners, Chip. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a really uh, big week. I mean, I can't believe that we're sitting here, Chip, and talking about a team that is seven and four that still has an outside chance of playing for a Big 12 title. Can you? How about that? If if Texas handles business against Baylor and Baylor would have, could have, should have won last week against TCU, I mean... Just run out the clock, Blake Shapin. Just get a first down, Blake Shapin. Uh, but Baylor couldn't. They punted it back to TCU. They drove the field, kicked the 40-yard game-winning field goal with no time left to get out of there with a 29-28 win. Um, but, yeah, if Texas handles business against Baylor and Kansas can somehow, some way. Uh, beat Kansas State in Manhattan in the Sunflower Showdown, then Texas would backdoor its way into the Big 12 title game and have a shot to be Big 12 champions, Taylor. But Kansas is an 11 and a half point underdog. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, after watching them play against. Texas last week and the way Will Howard's been playing at quarterback for Kansas State. Unless something happens to Will Howard, could be a could be a tall order for the for the Jayhawks. But who knows? It's a rivalry game. Crazy things happen in a rivalry game. Uh, we had a chance to talk to Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas players on Monday, and there were some nuggets that we'll 
we'll get to before we get into the actual Texas Baylor uh, showdown because it is senior day, Taylor. And uh, for a bunch of Longhorns, because of the COVID-19 season in 2020, when the NCAA awarded every student athlete who had a season, uh, an extra season, we have a bunch of players who have COVID-19 decisions to make, and you wrote about it this week. Yeah, there's, there is a number of players on the Texas roster that do have that. Um, I would say most notably some are Roshan Johnson, um, Christian Jones has one, Tavondre Sweat still has it, Moro Ojimo has it, Keandre Coburn, uh, Jordan Whittington. He's technically considered a redshirt junior anyway because he you know had that redshirt year when he got injured his first season. But So he also does have a, a decision to make too. And uh, yeah, I mean, there, this is going to be really interesting to watch. Texas officials put in the game notes for um, the Baylor game that they're expecting about 30 players to go through senior day festivities. In the past, that has not always meant that players will actually move on. Um, if they do go through it, it's usually a pretty good sign of it. But I would say, Chip, the guys you know that you're kind of watching right now that may use that extra year of eligibility or probably, you know, the defensive linemen. I mean, Keandre Coburn, Moro Jomo, uh, Moro Jomo and Tavondre Sweat have had really good seasons this year, probably better than what a lot of people expected. However, in talking to Keandre Coburn on Monday, he said that he's going to sit down with Bo Davis and really rely on him. Um, you know, he did that last year too, when he was deciding if he wanted to come back for another season or not. And Bo Davis essentially just said like, here's what NFL teams look for. And, uh, and he's a guy that has played or has coached, excuse me, in the NFL, coached a lot of different schools. Keandre said that whatever he tells him, essentially, he's going to listen to because he knows that he's looking out for his best interest. He did at one point, I thought was funny when he said that he's like, you know, if, if coach Davis says I need to come back, I'll probably be like, no, not, not sad, but kind of like, dang, you know, but if it's best for me and my family, I'm going to listen to what he has to say because he's always been real with him. So uh, a lot of things to watch. Um, I would say in talking to some of the players as well, Chip, it sounds like Roshan Johnson's mind is made up based off of the way he did answer the questions. You know, a lot of these guys were kind of like, oh, we'll, we'll get to it when it happens or, you know, we're just focused on Baylor, which Roshan said too, but Roshan essentially told us that he's not, you know, banking on a additional COVID year. So this will probably be his last game. And, you know, I more, more than likely <laughs> Bijan Robinson's last game playing at home at Texas chip. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's going to be a, a monumental day. I think back to guys like Ricky Williams and Cedric Benson's last home game. Um, I don't think Texas fans knew that Jamal Charles was playing his last home game. Uh, Jamal, that was a weird 2007 season where he almost got benched by Mac Brown for Vondrell McGee. And almost by accident, they rediscovered zone read when, when Colt McCoy went out for one play against Nebraska with, uh, with a, an injury. John Childs came in, they ran zone read. Jamal Charles ran for 25 yards and then to, Greg Davis's credit, he ran zone read 15 times. 
um, to finish the game. And Jamal Charles had 180 yards rushing in the fourth quarter and kind of resurrected his season. He ended up rushing for 1600 yards that year, but he was done. And, and my God, he goes on to a career where he sets the NFL all time record for yards per carry. And he's the guy I kind of compare Bijan Robinson to the most. Now, physically, they're different. Jamal is built like a track, more like a track guy with just crazy vision. I've, I think his vision is like Gale Sayers. It's, it's that good. Um, but Bijan Robinson has that vision. He's got the power. He's got the hands, the balance, the contact balance. Um, he's just you have to grab three or four guys to kind of make the comparison with Bijan Robinson. So yeah, he's amazing like all purpose back type of guy. Right. Yes. Right. And, but he can run past you. He can run through you. And mm-hmm. um, we saw that in that Kansas game last week where he's trucking guys. Um, I mean, Jordan Whittington told a funny story this week. He said, you know, I'm blocking downfield. I look over my shoulder. I see three guys hit Bijan and he lets up. And then all of a sudden, Bijan's still going. He's like, oh crap, I got to keep blocking my guy. And he's like, with Bijan, you're worn out because you have to block so hard down the field because you never know. You never know when he's going to bust it, cut back, zigzag, keep it alive, keep going. And we we certainly saw that last week against Kansas. And, and so if he runs for 98 yards in this game, Taylor, he will move in, he'll move past Jamal Charles into fourth place all time on UT's rushing list behind only number one, Ricky Williams, number two, Cedric Benson, number three, Earl Campbell. That's, that's about where he should be. Yeah. And all guys that played for what, four years at Texas. Um, I believe they all were there they for did. four years. So yeah. Jamal so. only played three. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would be the top of the the three-year running backs at Texas. Yes. It's so crazy to me, Chip, to think that I feel like we haven't seen all of Bijan. You know what I mean? Because of the 2020 season, obviously, he didn't get as many touches or carries earlier right, on in the year. Games. Yeah, yeah. And in a shorter season. Yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, that was kind of – it was the K-State game, obviously, that year that was kind of his coming out party. He pointed to one of his favorite runs was against West Virginia that season um, where I think he, like – I forget how he worded it, but he, like, stiff-armed some guy and uh, that – but, like, you know, just the fact that, like, I spin feel like – He had spin two move, that's, on that run. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. So he, he still he thinks he was in bounds because he he kind of started <laughs> in the middle of the field. He stiff-armed a guy. He spun another guy, spun again, got to the sideline, and they, you know, he was kind of tiptoeing down the line, and they they said he stepped out. He's convinced he didn't. Yeah, but it just feels like he didn't really get a whole everything that you could have potentially gotten out of Bijan Robinson, which is kind of disappointing, I think, both for Texas fans, I would say also for Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, he kind of got a gift in taking over a team that did have Bijan Robinson on it. Same with Tashard Choice coming in as running backs coach this year. You know, I mean, uh, it what a running back room to coach, you know, especially as a pretty, not young coach, but kind of, you know, younger in his, in his uh, assistant coaching career. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be kind of, I would say for us, probably a little sad for Bijan to have him move on because we've talked about him. I mean, he's just one of those guys that like, even when he does interviews with us, 
you know, I think I told the story a few weeks ago. He's just so genuine. You know, he he stays around, answers every question, you know, shakes everyone's hands, gives people hugs. The other a few weeks ago came up to Chip and was like, hey man, I saw you in a documentary. You know, just things like that. And it's like, this is a superstar, you know, and, and it, there's just very few guys like Bijan Robinson. It's been a pleasure to cover him. I hope he has a a monster game against Baylor. And uh, you know, depending on Roshan Johnson's injury status, if he is able to go, it would be nice to also see him, you know, have a, a breakout game too, because if you, you know, just hearing Steve Sarkeesian and all the players honestly talk about what Roshan Johnson has been for this locker room. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian says when he talks to younger guys, he never has an, a conversation with a younger guy and talking about what guys need to be doing without mentioning Roshan Johnson, because he just does everything right. And Jordan Whittington probably said it best. The reason why everyone listens to him is because he is consistent. It's his consistency um, and everything that he does, the way he goes about his business every single day, um, it never changes. And uh, that's going to be, there's going to be some big, big shoes to fill, not just from a talent standpoint from both of those guys, but also the leadership that Roshan Johnson brings that um, some guys are going to have to step up next year. Yeah, for sure. And that's, we're at that point where we're already starting to look ahead uh, to next year. In fact, um, you know, Roshan Johnson mentioned Quinn Ewers as a guy who could uh, become that leader. Um, and yet that came on the same day that Steve Sarkeesian was asked about the quarterback position going into 2023 and if it will be wide open. Steve Sarkeesian said, yes, we'll wipe the slate clean uh, for the quarterback competition going into 2023. Of course, Arch Manning set to arrive in January. And Quinn Ewers was asked about that. And he said, yep, that's part of the deal, especially under Coach Sark. He said, I'm ready for all, all competition. But it, you know, if you're Hudson Card, you're you're probably thinking, if if I couldn't get into the Oklahoma State game when Quinn Ewers was going 19 of 49 passing, 38 percent completion rate with three interceptions. He did have two touchdown passes, but he had um, uh, 15 overthrows in that game, which is the most in FBS in the last three seasons. If Hudson Card couldn't get into that game, uh, he's got to be thinking that the the writing's on the wall for him in terms of uh, Quinn Ewers is Steve Sarkeesian's guy until maybe either Malik Murphy or or Arch Manning is ready because that's those are Sarkeesian's hand-picked guys and it, we know with a offensive-minded head coach, quarterback developer like Steve Sarkeesian, he's going to he's going to bet on the guys that he picked and whether that's fair or not. So Hudson Card, I know there's a lot of interest in Hudson Card if he's interested in looking somewhere else. He'll graduate in December. He'll have at least two years of eligibility remaining. And then, you know, Malik Murphy's a guy who I hope can get in the mix because he is, he is every bit of six foot five and 225 pounds. I mean, he, he could be six, six now, Taylor. He's, he's a giant and everyone talks about that size, but he can spin it. We've seen him throw it and practice and we just got to see how he processes this offense and processes the defense. He spent a lot of time on the scout team 
this year, which look, Kyler Murray played scout team uh, at OU the year he had to sit out and waited his turn behind Baker Mayfield. It, it can be productive and you are getting live action in practice. It's not your offense. It's the other team's offense, but you're still getting that live action. Let's see. He's Malik Murphy had that ankle surgery from the broken ankle. He suffered in his state championship game in December. And then he hurt his hand wrist and a scooter accident that uh, had him kind of sidelined for a few games earlier in the season. So this, this coming up year, I, I put him in the mix, you know, in competition with Quinn Ewers and, and Arch Manning and, and don't forget Charles Wright. Charles Wright, another holdover from the Tom Herman era, is still on scholarship and came this close to to playing against UTSA when both Ewers and Card were were banged up. But Card gutted it out on that ankle and played. And and so Charles Wright also will have uh, you know he he's a scholarship quarterback in that room. So don't want to forget about him either. Yeah, when you talk about Malik Murphy's size chip. I think back to um, a source of mine. I think it was at, I think it would have been spring practice um, earlier this past year. And he was standing by the uh, gate where the team comes in. And he asked somebody, he's like, who's number six and why is he in a black jersey? <laughs> and it was talking about Malik Murphy. And someone told him, yeah, oh, that that's he's a quarterback. And he was like, no, that's not a quarterback. He's like, that's a tight end at best or like someone like, so that's how big he is. I mean, the, you know, you see him and you're just like, he, as you said, every bit of six, five, if not six, six at this point, I mean, he's a, a big body. I would say chip that he's probably would be more in the mix potentially for the quarterback competition than Arch Manning would be, which is not a bad thing. I mean, something that Texas fans need to remember the the Manning family is not pushing for Arch Manning to start year one as a true freshman. I mean, that is absolutely not what they want. And so, um, you know, I know that some fans look at the, you know, the signing uh, classes and automatically are like five-star, he needs to be starting and be an all American day one that he steps on campus. That is like, trust the Manning family. They're the Mannings for a reason. And they, their name carries weight for a reason. And, they think that that the best you know situation for Arch Manning, in addition to enrolling early, is to hopefully get that full redshirt year so that he gets his feet wet. And I would say a lot of that also has to do with probably the competition he has faced at the high school level. That's been one of the knocks people say about him, like, oh, his numbers aren't great and he doesn't play against good competition. I don't really care about that. I don't really care about numbers. He probably doesn't have the best team around him either, you know, so to get a lot of numbers as a a uh, pro style quarterback, but um, you know, I think that'll really help him have the retro ear. So Malik Murphy, I think, I mean, we're assuming that Hudson Carr moves on. He probably will. I mean, I would, I would bet that he would um, just based off of the way that the quarterback situation has been handled, especially this year when Quinn Ewers, as you mentioned, was kind of up and down, you know, um, Sark didn't go to Hudson Card at all, but uh, he definitely can start somewhere probably day one at another power five school, so um, assuming that does happen, Malik Murphy will definitely be one to watch. And it'll be interesting to see how his development has gone because he was very raw coming in to Texas. You know, he was a guy that only played um, a few seasons uh, of quarterback at the high school level. Um, he didn't I don't believe he played in 2020 because I think California 
canceled all um, high school football out there. He's from um, Southern California area. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see his development, but, uh, and do you, when, okay, I'm going to ask you this. When, when you hear Sark say that it's open, do you really believe it's fully open or do you think it's kind of like he needs to say that to keep the competition there? Well, I think, I think he says that to keep the competition there. I mean, obviously Quinn Ewers has the leg up because of him starting the majority of the games this season. He did miss uh, a few games early in the year with that sternoclavicular sprain suffered against Alabama. But I think, you know, so I think Ewers has the, you know, the advantage of experience and, and then we have to see how, how well Malik Murphy can process because look at Drake May at North Carolina, Mac Brown's quarterback who redshirted last year, came in this year and might end up being, you know, a Heisman finalist, if not a Manning finalist with how well he was playing until uh, North Carolina suffered that, that loss uh, to Wake Forest. But you know, and Jameis Winston won the Heisman as a, as a redshirt freshman, Johnny Manziel. So you can really uh, come on the scene if you understand the offense and Sarkeesian's offense is it's um, it's extensive. Let's say Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of terminology. I mean, you have to say a lot of things to call the play because you're also calling protections. You're calling motions. And, and so it's a lot, and I want to see how Malik Murphy processes and, and when he's in the Texas offense, and that's, that's going to be fun to watch because his personality, Taylor, everyone talks about it, uh, that he's like the mayor already as a true freshman, he's got one of the biggest personalities in the locker room. Everyone vibes with him, defense defensive backs, defensive line, everybody. And so when I hear that, I think of a guy like Vince Young, and I'm not going to go there because Malik Murphy's more of a, a pro style passer, but, uh, but that personality goes a long way. Guys will play for him if he can produce on the field. So I'm, I'm fascinated by Malik Murphy. And of course his personality is completely different from Quinn Ewers, who's really quiet um, and hard to read at times. Mm-hmm. So this will be, this will be interesting. And of course, Texas fans are over the moon excited about what Arch Manning is going to bring to the table, but you're right. The plan right now is for him to redshirt. So uh, this is, you have to kind of file that one uh, as, as the caveat in the, in the quarterback competition for 2023. Yeah. And Quinn Ewers also, just real quick, Chip, he was asked about Malik Murphy and he said he basically the the tools that he said that stands out about him is he has a really, really good arm, but he also said he's really easy to be around. And I think that kind of plays into what you're saying. So even, you know, the quarterback room acknowledges it too in his presence. Yeah. And I think when we talk about Bijan Robinson and maybe him not, we're not getting everything out of him. Cause I did ask him, uh, do you feel like you were underutilized? at Texas. And he said, no, I did everything I could here, which sounded kind of final, but um, think about the different 
you know, he had two different coaches. He had three different quarterbacks, two different offensive, uh, two different running backs, coaches, two different offensive coordinators, O-line coaches. There wasn't that stability and growth. Like he didn't, he had one year of Sam Ellinger, one year of Casey Thompson, one year of Quinn Ewers. He didn't have that. He didn't get to grow with the quarterback so that they had that unbelievable rhythm and in sync uh, ability. You know, we talked a lot of, we've talked a lot of times on the flagship podcast here week to week this season, how Quinn Ewers didn't see Bijan Robinson open in the flat or, you know, and a lot of it is Steve Sarkeesian's progression chart, which does start with the deep ball. And if that's available, <clears throat> he wants the quarterback to throw it. So, but you know, I, I always go back to what Major Applewhite told me. He said, I became a good quarterback when I understood the importance of the check down. And Major Applewhite dumped the ball off to Ricky Williams a ton of times and just let Ricky Williams go. And and that's the part that I've, I think, especially looking back at games like Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, where Texas had, you know, double digit leads, 17 point leads in those games and didn't hold on. And Man, having a guy like Bijan Robinson is supposed to be the the closer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's the guy that is just going to hammer that defense until they they don't want anymore. And and that didn't happen this year. And that that's disappointing because we know we can do it. And and obviously the TCU game was a bit of a nightmare for a lot of different reasons. But I, I mentioned to Bijan, I said, did you see? that Baylor ran for 232 yards on TCU last week. And he was like, they did. And he was like, Oh, I mean, he was pissed. So it's, you know, that guy's so competitive and, and has given everything he, he can give uh, to this university. My gosh, I don't think he's ever dropped a pass. So he's Devin Duvernay from that aspect. And I think back, he thinks back to the West Virginia game in 20 for that spin move, double spin move run that he had. I think back to Texas trying to end that game up 17, 13 and uh, the pass he caught from Sam Ellinger coming off their goal line that he took for 38 yards to effectively end the game. And, um, that was a huge moment for him because I don't think he'd caught many passes at that point. And he was as smooth as a senior on that play. And it was, it was big time. I think the play that will always stand out to me is that run against OU last year, where I think he had like made, like he like broke, I think like 10 or 11 tackles. I mean, there were guys that tried to tackle him multiple times and they couldn't get him down. I mean, that was one. I remember being in the press box of the Cotton Bowl and we were watching it. We were just like, good God, what is this? And then we were watching the replay and we we're just like counting it. Remember that? We were like looking at my computer like, holy crap, I think he missed like 11 or broke 11 or 12 tackles or something on a single run. It's like, that's that was something um, special, I'll say. Yeah. And I think I think Reggie Bush saw that and tweeted about Bijan on that run. And like, I think that's when he said like, okay, number five, I like that number two with him wearing number five. That's right. And that's the reason why Bijan actually wears number five is because of Reggie Bush. So that's right. Yep. Bijan's, um, he had a relative who, his grandfather, I think who was a PAC 12 official. And, and so Bijan was always watching 
you know, Pac-12 games, USC, and, yeah. and loved Reggie Bush. Yeah, I, you go back and look at some of the close games from that 2020 season, including that four-overtime game against Oklahoma, where I think Bijan only had 12 carries. And you're like, man, you think if he had a little more than 12 carries, Texas might have been able to finish off that game in regulation. But what's with 12 carries and Bijan Robinson, right? Didn't he have that against TCU too? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and this will be an interesting uh, game because Baylor, and I, it makes me nervous when Sark says this kind of stuff, but he said, you know, Baylor's got a really good run defense. We might have to lean on Quinn more than we did last week at Kansas. And Quinn said, Hey, I was a game manager in the Kansas game. It was obviously a run heavy a game plan. Steve Sarkeesian told the sideline reporter before the game, number five, better show up today. Of course he did. But when Sark says that kind of stuff, it makes me think, Oh God, here we go again. Is he going to outthink himself instead of just getting his offensive line and, and in a room and saying, we're going to rip these guys apart for Bijan Robinson today and let's, let's go get it. And um, so we'll see, we'll see how this plays out because Baylor does have a pretty good defensive front and um, you know, uh, Ika, Isaka Ika, their nose tackle and Dylan Doyle, their linebacker have been really good against the run this year, but um it's Bijan Robinson, you know? Yeah. I mean, if TCU is able to rush for over 200 yards against them, I would uh, put my money. If, if Steve Sarkeesian sticks with running the ball, I would, I would put my money on the, um, the running back room that Texas has at disposal led by obviously Bijan Robinson. Yeah. And Baylor, you know, Dave Aranda is a really smart defensive guy. Uh, they'll obviously watch what TCU did and probably um, they they probably have better personnel to try to mimic what TCU did than Kansas does, certainly. So this could be uh, a more interesting game than uh, than what Texas is favored by nine and a half or seven and a half. Seven I think they were I think they were eight and a half as of eight and a half. morning. That's right. Yeah, it opened at seven and a half and they've gone up to eight and a half. So yeah, I mean, of course I thought the Kansas game might be close and uh, this Texas defense is, is not messing around Taylor. And that's, you know, we should probably mention uh, those guys because Jalen Ford, um, you know, this guy is, he comes up with another big interception and his interceptions have been huge. Uh, it, it, the one against Iowa State turned the momentum of the game. Uh, the one against Kansas State helped finish off an unbelievable first half because uh, all three of his interceptions have led to touchdowns by Texas right uh, before the half. So his his timing of giving his team momentum going into halftime has been fantastic. And, and so uh, this Texas defense – uh, gets a Baylor team this week with a quarterback in Blake Shapin who's been turnover prone. He has not taken care of the football. Uh, namely, Baylor fans are wincing at the fact that 
He had first and 10 from the TCU 11 right before halftime and threw an interception in the end zone. And, you know, Baylor fans just were like, uh, because they've seen this before. He, he got stripped uh, against West Virginia, fumbled the ball. He got returned for a touchdown in a 43-40 loss to the Mountaineers in Morgantown. And he had two interceptions against K-State in a loss. He had two interceptions against Oklahoma State in a loss. So uh, Texas leads the nation in quarterback pressures. They're going to have to get after Blake Shapin and, and make him think that Texas has 12 guys on the field uh, and make him, you know, cough up the football. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's shown that he, he can, you know, so you got to get after him. And I, I would say Jalen Ford is another guy that not for a COVID decision, but may have a decision to make after this year. I mean, he is draft eligible. He's a true junior, I believe. Um, and, but at the end of the day, I mean, he's been arguably one of the top defensive players, I would say, at least in the big 12 and how much better can you get from there? You know what I mean? I mean, if you, if you, if he's to, you know, end the season with that honor, um, that, that can carry weight. And I feel like he's, you know, he showed up in every game. He's made plays all over the field, you know, not just as the team's leading tackler, as you said, you know, that come up with really key interceptions, key turnovers when, they needed it to be honest. And uh, I would say he's definitely somebody to watch too, as uh, someone at least with a decision. Yeah. He was asked about it um, on Monday and he kind of hemmed and hawed and, and said, you know, there'll be a time for that. But he did say uh, that he said, quote, I still um, think there's a lot more uh, or, or a lot for me to improve on. So who knows, was that him? And he, he did talk about how he talked to Byron Murphy the other day about how, you know, depending on who goes and who stays of those defensive linemen, how it could be him and Byron Murphy running the show on defense next year. So we'll see, but. Which wouldn't be too bad, right? Not too bad. <laughs> I mean, too those bad. are two uh, guys that have very high ceilings, I would say. Yeah, but uh, I mean, so many guys have have stepped up. Uh, Vernon Broughton stepped up this year. Baron Sorrell. Yeah, Baron Sorrell for sure. And you just got to think that next year is Alfred Collins' year. I mean, he had a big play against Kansas. He had a nice tackle for loss, and he has these flashes, but uh, he's got to be more consistent. And um, Texas, depending on how many of those guys come back, good heavens, they could be. I mean, they're leading the nation in quarterback pressures this year. If all those guys came back, wow. Um, yeah. So we shall see. It might be uh, a, a tall uh, order there <laughs> to say, I think that they may be replacing. I mean, they obviously are going to be replacing some key players on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Anthony Cook, Deshaun Jameson, you know, DeMarvian Overshone. Those, these are guys that don't know that. A decision, a decision to make there this will be their last home game so and they played a lot of football so it'll be interesting to see kind of who steps up in their in their absence moving into 2023 yeah and we we should mention terrence brooks because he did um you know he played well against kansas that's the second time in a row that he's uh, been where he's supposed to be handling his assignments playing physical he's a he's a strong kid uh, for a freshman and 
you know, had a few struggles, maybe wasn't as prepared as he should have been when he came into the Iowa State game, but has really picked it up. Like they used that bye week to stress to all the young players, you got to prepare like a starter. You can't think of yourself as a freshman who's not going to get in the game. You need to be preparing like a starter. And it looks like Terrence Brooks took the took that advice to heart because he's played well the last couple games and it looks like he'll rotate with Deshaun Jamison, um, you know, possibly even in this Baylor game because uh, Jamison was cleared to play, but Brooks got the start and uh, Jamison played very little. Brooks played most of the game. So we, we shall see, but that's another positive note for a defense that has completely uh, turned it around. And, and now looks like a defense that is part of the solution and doesn't get swept up in the, in the, uh oh, here we go again type of stuff that we saw at Texas Tech, um, and even at Oklahoma State when, you know, guys got out of, out of their gaps and got a little um, undisciplined at the worst possible time when Spencer Sanders is driving for the uh, go-ahead points, but um, this defense has improved week to week and that's what you want and um especially when you're seeing young guys making plays but jalen ford wow wouldn't that be sad if he puts it all together kind of like earl thomas you know earl thomas was a redshirt freshman and they got two seasons out of earl but man he left uh as soon as he was draft eligible so um we'll see and baylor uh taylor just finishing up on Baylor before we get to love it or leave it. You, you look at Baylor's defense. They, I mentioned up front, you know, Siaka Ika, their nose tackle and Dylan Doyle, but they've, they've not been as good at the safety position. Uh, Baylor's been, been beaten for a lot of points. We've, we've seen mentioned the 43, 40 loss to, to West Virginia. So um, let's see if Quinn Ewers can, can get into a rhythm, especially if Steve Sarkeesian is going to put more on his plate and instead of just hammering the football with, with Bijan and, and Roshan. So um, Baylor's special teams erratic. They have attempted the fewest field goals of any team in the big 12. They've only attempted nine all year. They've made seven of them, um, but they, they had a missed extra point that caused all their grief last week. I mean, it, then they had to go for two. They didn't get it. That's why they were down by three or down by two at the end. And TCU could kick the, the game winning field goal and win it 29, 28. They do have a good return uh, guy in um, uh, Gavin. Um, oh, I always forget his name, but um, Holmes. Gavin Holmes. Yeah. Gavin Holmes. He's been, he's been good on punt returns. He's averaging 13.3 yards per return, which is even better than Xavier worthy. And he does have a punt return for a touchdown this year. And he's, he's one of their faster uh, receivers along with Monterey Baldwin, who's a guy who can break it and take it. So um, there, there'll be some challenges, but Baylor does not have the pass rush they've had in the past. They're second fewest sacks in the big 12 and, and Texas done a really good job of protecting Quinn Ewers. He didn't, he didn't get touched last week against Kansas. So, um, you know, I, I like the matchup 
for Texas. They just need to make sure that on offense they're they're getting first downs, moving the ball, and getting in the end zone, and not um, you know running, having Bijan run for seven yards and then throwing it incomplete on second and third down and punting. <laughs> Come so. on, it'll be throw on first down, Bijan second throw. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully I'm kidding. Hopefully I'm kidding. I'll say that. (laughs) I don't think Texas fans can take it after that, uh, that offensive lack of showing uh, against TCU. Remember at that, they only scored three points in that game as an offense. Yeah. And I will say this, if you look at the way that Texas has played um, this season, and I know it's a little bit different because it's, you know, a home game um, that they lost last in, but I feel like they haven't at least recently allow like shown up the same way in the same scenario. You know what I mean? Like though I feel like the the Kansas game obviously was was big to get that type of win on the road. The K-State win on the road, you know, I mean they started kind of turning it around. They need to come back, I would say for the T- from the TCU game the last time that they played on their their home turf, you know, in front of their home fans. Um I, I would be a little surprised if they came back out flat and have a performance like uh, they did against TCU offensively, just because I just, you don't, you haven't really seen them do that um, in back-to-back type of scenarios. Um, I guess you could say technically Texas Tech and then, you know, going on the road to Oklahoma State, but, um, you know, there was there was a number of games in between them too, you know, where they, they weren't really showing repeat performances. Well, they've won two in a row on the road. Mm-hmm. So they've they've gotten that that uh, piano off their back, and and a- absolutely they, you know they finished the game against Kansas. So that's uh, Baylor uh, was up twenty eight to three on Kansas at halftime. So Baylor Baylor's a team when they're clicking when when Blake Shapin is is on, uh, they're they're scary because they can run the football. Uh, Richard Reese, the freshman sensation for Baylor, has been fantastic. Uh, and Squirrel Williams, Craig Squirrel Williams, um, is averaging 5.8 yards per carry. So Baylor can run it. And Texas needs to make sure, once again, that they um, limit that damage and force Blake Shapin to throw it to beat him and get pressure on him because he will he will give you the football and i believe in this texas defense taylor i'm i i think that they'll i think they'll do their job i think they'll limit baylor on the ground and i think they'll get after blake shapen and he'll probably turn it over a couple times and and i think texas gets out of there with a 10 point win yeah um something just came in on email so demarvin overshone was a semifinalist for the buckkiss award he did not make the finalist list. I just got an email from them. Um, so Texas with no Buckus Award finalist. So just something uh, there. But speaking of DeMarvey Overshone real quick, Chip, I thought something funny. I'm not sure if you were over uh, with him with the player interviews when he said this. But uh, when we talked to the players on Monday, he said, you know, he was asked about if if they beat Baylor, what's his plans to watch the where is he planning on watching the Kansas Kansas State game? Um, since, you know, I think the whole team will have their eyes on the way that game plays out. And he, you know, he was just kind of talking about it and he was like, oh man, yeah, I'm going to be rooting for the Jayhawks. He's like, actually after the game against Kansas, 
I was talking to some of the, the Kansas players and I was trying to fire them up. Like, come on guys, let's go. Let's go. And I thought that was really funny to hear him say that he was literally trying to pump up the team that they just demolished to try to, you know, get them ready for the next game too. I thought that was a funny story that I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss DeMarvian overshone. He is hilarious. Yes, he is. Oh my gosh. He's hilarious. Um, what and I feel like we were robbed of of his his personality in that COVID season when we were on Zoom all the time and um because that kid is so funny and his teammates love him and and just how he's played so he's played with a reckless abandon a love of the game this year that that we haven't seen and um I hope he can find a spot somewhere because. He made that move from safety to linebacker. We we talked about it here on the flagship podcast that maybe his best year uh, was that was two years ago. His freshman or whatever, the first year he moved to linebacker um, in 20. Uh, but he's, you know, he's put some good plays together this year and and uh, he's certainly a freak of an athlete. So we'll we'll see. Um, it makes me wonder. The- oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I just get the feeling there's there's some guys who are thinking about leaving who who shouldn't be thinking about leaving. I know Overshone doesn't have a choice, and and I think the reason he came back was to show he could he could be an NFL player, an Isaiah Simmons type of Swiss Army knife, uh, safety linebacker, outside linebacker, hybrid, uh, special teams. You know, he's really shown up on special teams and he's going to have to make an NFL roster because of his special teams play most likely. So, um, you know, he's a guy who I think gets it now and prepares like a pro. Jordan Whittington is another guy who, you know, I talked about, you know, he's like, knock on wood, I'm going to make it through this whole season. And and I said, do you think that's because of how you've done the extra work, gone in for the cold tubs, hot tubs? And he's like, yeah, but. I probably should have been doing that all along. And mm-hmm. so it takes a minute for these guys to truly understand what it means to prepare like a pro, because once you get to the NFL, I mean, Emmett Smith, who is the NFL's all-time leading rusher, gives as much credit to his career, to his chiropractor as he does to any player or coach he was with. You have to take care of your body and, and Jordan Whittington has has learned, and and so has Demarvin Overshone. So we'll see if these other guys can can figure it out as well. And um, that's all part of it. It's all part of becoming a consistent winning program. And yeah. that's certainly something Texas is striving to do once again. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, you ready for some love it or leave it, Taylor? I am. Uh, before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay with us because we have plenty more preview talk as Texas prepares for the regular season finale home game against Baylor Friday at 11 a.m. We'll be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you are not a member of Horns 24-7, uh, you got to get on it now because we have the deal of the year. It is a, a Black Friday special. We are starting the the special a, little, a few days before Black Friday, um, but new members will get 75% off their first year of, uh, of Texas Insider Scoop at Horns 24-7. So that is, I don't even know what the math is like. 20 something bucks for 12 months of uh, VIP um, coverage of Texas. Obviously, a lot of recruiting stuff going to be happening coming up with early signing period in December. Um, and then also Texas basketball ranked number four in the country coming off of that uh, win against Gonzaga. So uh, a lot of things ahead. And now is definitely the time to join Horns 24-7, get the annual membership, and you'll get 75% off your first year of uh VIP Texas scoop. Plus you get to read all of the other teams message boards, especially when they're fun to watch. Uh, I think Texas fans enjoy it when there's meltdowns because it's not their team that people are melting down. So you get access to all of the VIP content across the horn or across the 24 seven sports network. Excuse me. So yeah, which is, on that. is awesome. You know, yes. you're, you're getting all the VIP um, content, LSU, Alabama, Ohio state, all the USC, all the premier, programs and um 75% off that is easily the best deal of the year so if I think it's like 233 a month or something like that yeah, is what the breakdown is like something along than, those lines it's less than a latte yeah uh, way less <laughs> way less for uh, all the best content on on the longhorns and if you're a member at another site we just want to be one of the sites that you're a member of because we feel like we bring um, you know, scoop that you're not going to read anywhere else and, uh, analysis and just, uh, you know, fun, the fun factor. So, uh, jump in. If you've been on the fence, jump in to horns 24 seven. All right, Taylor, you ready? Yes. All right, Chip. My first love it or leave it for you is love it or leave it. West Virginia's Tony Mathis has had the best rushing performance against Baylor with 22 carries for 163 yards and two touchdowns. Bijan Robinson will run for more. Love it or leave it. Wow, this is actually this is actually a, a tough one. Um, I mean, my my gut instinct is that uh, it'll be close, but especially if Sark doesn't, you know, if Sark puts the ball in Quinn Ewer's hands too much. I'm just hoping that Bijan gets to 22 carries in this game. But if he does, I think he'll surpass 163 yards. What he, at halftime he, of Kansas, he had 19 for 172. I believe so, yeah. Um, You know what? I'm going to... I'm going to ride this wave. I'm going to love this. Um, something tells me that Sark may not get 22 carries for, for Bijan. 
Uh, but I hope that's the case. And if he does, I think he will surpass 163 yards uh, and a couple of touchdowns. So Taylor, I'm going to love this. Uh, I, I hope Steve Sarkeesian's listening to the flagship podcast uh, so that, um, you know, he'll, he'll look out for Bijan. How about you? Yeah. Um, I kind of am on the the fence a little bit too. It's going to be dependent on how many carries, how many touches he actually is going to get. I believe the early forecast, I haven't checked recently, so uh, don't quote me. Well, I guess weather people never get called out for being wrong, but I think the early forecast was supposed to be potentially rainy on Friday. Um, if that's the case, obviously, I think that Steve Sarkeesian will go with the running game um, more. Obviously, that would be the the smart move. I'm pulling it up right here real quick. Uh, there's a 55% chance of rain early in the day. So if it is raining on Friday, I think Bijan will be getting a, a lot of carries. So I'll, I'll love it. And I also am kind of loving it as like, I hope that does come to fruition because this is quite possibly Bijan Robinson's not just last home game at Texas, last final showing at all for Texas, uh, depending on his decision, if he's going to play in a bowl game or not. Um, and I imagine if Texas misses the big 12 title game, he probably would sit the bowl game. I bet his agent would say that. I think all all of us would probably say that to him too. <laughs> you know, to be honest, it's not playing for a national championship. Don't risk it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to love it and hope that that does come to fruition. All right. Number two. Second one, love it or leave it. Jalen Ford, who leads the Big 12 in force fumbles with three and is second in tackles with 96 in interceptions, three also, should be named Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. You know what? Um, I'm going to love this. Uh, I don't know that he will win this because he came out of nowhere this year and there were guys like Tyree Wilson at Texas Tech and um, you know, uh, Felix Anyaduke Uzama at Kansas State, who came in with a lot more fanfare. But Jalen Ford, by leading the Big 12 in forced fumbles, we haven't even talked about his forced fumbles, uh, and the fact that he's second in tackles uh, and second in interceptions shows just how versatile he is. And and then when you look at the improvement of the Texas defense, um, you know, I think it's it's absolutely warranted for him to win Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. And and I I get it if you know if they end up giving it to Tyree Wilson or Krishan Merriweather at tech, um, although Tyree Wilson's hurt and so he's not even playing in these last uh, couple of games. You know, I just think Jalen Ford, his impact, if if people really look at it and the fact that his turnovers forced have had such a big impact in the game. He's also recovered two fumbles. Um, I'm going to I'm going to love this. I'm going to love this. Uh, I think he's he's got the numbers to to back it up and um, the the timeliness of his big plays has been huge. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I mean, well, isn't this voted on by the coaches in the league? Yes. So that, to me, makes me think he has a better chance because these coaches have seen it. They've seen it against their team. Um, right. 
they've seen him, you know, getting the interceptions, the force fumbles. If this was a media vote, I would be like, he probably deserves it, but isn't going to get it just because Texas is not very good at promoting their players. Um, I don't understand it because um, a lot of awards, national awards out there, uh, you know, we vote on, like, honestly, like we, we vote on, you know, the, the Maxwell award, the, there's a number of them. If you're a member of uh, football writers association of America, you have votes on there. Tons of schools send out, you know, pamphlets, information about their players to all football writers association of America voters. And Texas never does. And it's kind of like, I know you, you think maybe the media relations team thinks like they don't have to, but it's like you're middle of the pack team, you know, not everyone knows who your players are. So all that to say, I would say that since this is voted on by the coaches, it, I think it probably will come to fruition. But no doubt in my mind, he should be named the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. So I will love it as well. Think about that. Think about where we were talking about the linebacker position coming into the season. What a question mark it was because, you know, last year you had Luke Brockermeyer starting at middle linebacker. He tears his ACL. Um, and Jalen Ford, that might have been the the step in the process that that he needed to get pushed to the forefront in spring ball, and and then coming out of spring summer, going into Big Twelve media days, all of his teammates were saying Jalen Ford, Jalen Ford, and and here we are. So yeah. kudos and, and, and oh, go ahead Sorry. and kudos to Jeff Choate, the linebackers coach, who you know held him held Jalen Ford accountable. Jalen Ford said he wanted to be great. And Jeff Choate said, well, if you want to be great, then you got to prepare better. You've got to be in the film room. You got to know what you're looking at. And Jalen Ford has done that. He's, he is one of the most prepared players on the field every week. Yeah. I was, that's exactly what I was about to say. Like, this is a huge credit both to Jeff Cho and to Pete Kwiatkowski. I mean, the two of them coached, you know, I chose more inside linebackers. Uh, Kwiatkowski is outside, but just a further, showing of their their impact on this defense this season too yeah all right final one chip love it or leave it kansas an 11 and a half point underdog pulls off the upset at kansas state on saturday night uh there's no way this happens unless will howard unless something happens to will howard i mean adrian martinez is hurt i i look back now and feel better about my my statement going into Texas's game with K state that if Adrian Martinez plays Texas wins, if Will Howard plays, I don't know if Texas wins. Uh, Will Howard did it again. I mean, he, he crushed Baylor in Waco 31 to three. Um, this guy is, he's on fire and I, they, you know, he handled business against West Virginia last week. I just think he's too much right now for that that Kansas defense, which is um, you know a bit of a mess. I, I think there's a reason DeMarvin Overshone was trying to talk those boys up into giving them some confidence, maybe some secrets uh, about how to slow down Deuce Vaughn and uh, whatnot. But Taylor, unless something happens to Will Howard, I, I see Kansas State uh, winning this game. So I'm going to leave it. How about you? I am too. Sorry, Texas fans. But yeah, I think, um, you know, it's it's at Kansas State too, correct? Yeah, it's in Manhattan. Yeah. I, I just, 
I, I totally agree with what you said. I don't really need to repeat it exactly. But yeah, as as a grade of a story, that would be for Kansas. I, I don't know when the last time they beat Kansas State in football was, but um, you know, that would be a great story. I just don't see it happening. So I'm gonna have to have to leave it. Um, so maybe what TCU and K State in the Big Twelve yeah. title game. That's essentially what you and I are saying at this point. So yeah. Uh, we'll see. But and who knows? Miracles can happen. Rivalry games. You never know what's going to happen. Rivalry week. This is a far improved Kansas team than years past. Um, I would also say it's a far improved Kansas State team, too. So uh, I think it could be a good game. But no, I'm going to have to go with instinct. And my instinct says K-State. All right. There you have it, everybody. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope everyone has a, a safe and happy Thanksgiving uh, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks so much for listening. Um, until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.